0: Hello, and welcome to the Ever Widening Circles podcast, designed to give you more joy, less fear and no end to the evidence that a brighter future is possible. This podcast will give you a fresh perspective on the world around you. We want you to hear from thought leaders in a wave of progress well underway around the globe that we call the conspiracy of goodness. I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of Ever Widening Circles. Since 2014, we've been challenging the negative dialogue about our times by celebrating the insight and innovation that prove it is still an amazing world. And along the way, we have been having incredible conversations with thought leaders that we are now sharing with you. Today I'm so excited to chat with Principal Linda Clay Wayman. Linda, I love having my guests introduce themselves. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your work.
1: Well, my name is Linda Clyatt Wayman, and I have been an urban educator for 32 years. I started out as a special education teacher. For 20 years, I stayed in the classroom. Then I became a principal. Then I became assistant superintendent for high schools in Philadelphia. And now I am retired, and I am the founder of a nonprofit called Currently Trending. But I'm always going to be known as Principal Wayman.
0: Do <laughs> you know that's funny that you should say that because um, that's what I call you. Like when I'm just everybody like, does when I'm just short, you know, saying it's Principal Wayman. You know, call Principal Wayman. I'm I'm just you're just gonna be that.
1: <laughs> I'm always on that. Everyone yeah. calls me Principal Wayman.
0: Well, I have to just let everybody in on how you and I we, we call ourselves the Linda and the Linda, how we two Linda's became friends. The people listening to this podcast may or may not know that I have a wonderful global website, everwideningcircles.com, that really has been on a search to share all the goodness and progress happening in the world that is just plain going uncelebrated. And I came across Principal Williamson's wonderful TED Talk called How to Fix a Broken School, Lead Fearlessly, Love Hard. Holy moly. This is a TED Talk that I think it's one for the ages, Linda. We really celebrate a lot of the very, very best TED Talks because, you know, they're, they're future-changing, many of them. And when I came across yours, I remember it was one of those goosebumps, head-toe, head-toe things. Like sometimes you get goosebumps on your arms, which is not anything to to scoff at. But I remember watching yours and and saying, I, gotta, I, I have to – I have to know this person and understand what's going on here because it's important to the world. So anyway, we wrote an article in August of 2019 about Linda and her work. And gosh, we just fell over a cliff of friendship together, didn't we,
1: Linda? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Yeah, uh, it was the best of friends. It just it's just clicked right away. Yeah. It was
0: really, really something. And along the way, you know, Linda has improved my way of thinking so much. In fact, we've been In the summer of 2020, during the COVID and the pandemic, we've been having regular conversations and um, and we were just laughing about how we hadn't spoken in about a month. And we were there on a like a weekly chat, just sort of coaching each other through it. (laughs) And um, so we're going to get back to that today. And and I'm going to share all this, this wonder that I know about you with the world. Then we're going to have a very candid conversation here. Nothing is sort of preordained or anything. We're just going to let it flow and and help the world understand what and why you get up in the morning. You know, thought leaders in this world are doing the most amazing things every day. And they get up and struggle. And we're all facing all kinds of obstacles, but we just keep going. And I think it's important to share with the world why we
1: do that. That's right. Got to keep going
0: we got to keep going. So Linda, why don't you start with telling us a little bit about the chapter, the Strawberry Mansion chapter in your life, because that kind of sets the stage for currently trending. And that is part of what the thought leaders I've talked to in the world do is they're constantly on a climb. One climb informs and creates a kind of a zone of genius for the next. So tell us about the Strawberry Mansion chapter.
1: Well, the the Strawberry Mansion chapter was at, it will always be pivotal in my life because I was assistant superintendent for high schools in Philadelphia. I was the leader of 61,000 children and 52 principals. And it was a decision of the district to merge three neighborhood high schools in a very violent community. And so everyone was up in arms over this three high school merger in this particular community, community where violence is rampant, where a lot of homelessness, a very crime rid neighborhood. We were going to merge three high schools together and everybody was up in arms in a community over it. Well, it was my job as assistant superintendent to find the next principal of Strawberry Mansion High School. And it was very daunting trying to find a principal for Story Mansion High School because of all the problems. A lot of people did not want that job. Matter of fact, after numerous calls for advertisements for position of principal, nobody applied for the job. Oh my! So, you know, I was under a lot of pressure to find a principal for this school and not let it open without a leader, knowing that three schools were coming together. And so one day I was walking into the school district building, you know, this was all on my mind all the time. And I heard this voice go, you go, you go. And I couldn't I, I couldn't shake that voice of you. Go. And I, I said to myself, and I said out loud in a very defining way, I said, me go. And, but then it dawned on me, that the reason why I couldn't find a principal for Strawberry Mansion High School was that I was the person that was supposed to lead that venture. And so the rest of it's history. So I went in as principal and it actually changed my life in so many different ways. And I hope to think that it changed a lot of my students' lives also.
0: Well, isn't that something you and I have talked about so many times is, you know, we don't have to save the world no. And even if we can just be the one caring adult in one child's lives, in a way we change the world that way, right? So help us understand, you did some really counterintuitive things there. And that's another thing that I'm noticing that thought leaders in the of the future will be They'll be the ones that put together things no one ever thought to combine or ask better questions. And you tell a great story about standing up mm-hmm. at like some, one of the first um, assemblies for the high school. Tell us that story.
1: Well, again, we were in a, it's a three-way merger and we looked at a lot of the data and we looked at the data for violent incidences in the school, assaults in the school. We looked at the academic data, and we were very, very concerned. So we knew we had to put an entire new platform together for climate and culture and for the academics in the school. So my team and I, we had an assembly program the very first day of school. And and you could actually tell again, that the young people were not used to being together because they were from three different schools. So they were not used to being together. And it it was a very chaotic scene, nonetheless. So we finally got everyone in the auditorium. We got everybody seated. And we started to talk about our new rules and our new consequences and how we were actually going to coexist in this particular setting. And as I was telling the story about all the rules and the consequences and the rewards and all the things that we were going to do. I had a young man tell me out loud. He said to me, don't you know, why do you keep telling us about your rules and your consequences? Don't you know we do what we want? (laughs) And right then and there, i realized, and I kept saying it over and over again in my head. We do what we want. We do what we want. But it was something that I needed because I said, this is the reason why the school is so violent, because they actually walk around the building believing they can do whatever they want to do. But the bigger question, Linda, was, why did they think that? Why did they think that? And why did they? Because they were allowed to think that way and they were allowed to act that way. They were given permission to do that.
0: The complexity that we are all facing today, I'm sure, is is very, very related to why systems have broken down and these kids have been, find themselves in an environment that had no rudder, no su- adult supervision. Mm-hmm. And we all feel like that right now. We feel mm-hmm. like in a rudderless place about the future and so forth. So what happened next that might inform kind of the way we go next? Or did you did you figure out how to, how to reach them in some unusual way that somebody hadn't tried before? Because you
1: must have reached them. Well, absolutely. But the first thing that we had to do was actually to reach the adults. Okay. And so we actually came up with this particular slogan that I truly believe everyone should live by. And that's so what, now what? Okay. Uh, So we talked about so what the school was violent in the past. So what they had all these challenges in the past. We are new here at the building. And what are we going to do to make the school better? So it was this optimism that my team brought that, yeah, okay, the school had challenges in the past. That has nothing to do with us. We have the skill, we have the talent to make this better. And so what we set out to do was to do just that. But then again, we had another assembly program. And we thought we had it all figured out what was the challenges in the school. But like always, we always listen to young people. Because if you listen to young people, they will actually give you the solutions to all the problems. So we had another assembly program. And we brought someone in to try to calm the violence in the school. And we had a non-violence assembly. While doing this nonviolent assembly, they were actually showing violence. I and <laughs> my teachers and I, we were like, oh my God, you know? And we were stunned by it. And what we were looking at really, really upset us to the point that we were actually in tears. But what we noticed was that it did not bother the students at all. And so when it was over, the people who were actually put on the program, they ran over to me and they said, Ms. Wayman, we are so sorry. This has never happened before where the kids were not attentive, where the kids were actually laughing at the violence. They didn't know what to do. So I decided to have a roundtable conversation. And I called a group of young people in and I had them have a conversation. And I asked them a simple question. I said, Why were you disinterested? Why were you laughing? Why were you not touched by the violence? And one young woman, a ninth grader, she said to me, Miss Wayman, Miss Wayman, do you really think that's something? We see that on the street every night where we live. That was absolutely nothing compared to what we witness every day. And so what we realized is that we were in a school building with over 500 children who were actually hopeless. And we knew that because the girl said that next. And she said, Ms. Wayman, don't you know, we don't hope, we don't dream, because we know nothing's going to change. And so right then and there, we knew that even though we had to create an environment for the kids to get along, we knew we had to focus on academic excellence. But we also knew our number one priority was providing hope to a group of children who had lost all hope.
0: Okay. So I'd say hopes and dreams, those three words, are something that just comes into our conversations together almost every time in some way or another. And I'd like you to share that exact notion and how it led to what I really, really want to talk about that's newish, new to me, new to lots of people that you're doing now. Because the way I've heard you talk about what you're doing now with currently trending has everything to do with that moment when those kids taught you about what we could be focusing on right now in society is hopes and dreams. So help us make that transition. So the way I understand it is that you transformed one of the most dangerous high schools in America and you took all the wisdom of experience to a whole new level and figured out that where you were at with the high school level kid actually started a little bit sooner And that's kind of where you're at with currently trending is trying to trying to do something new and yet a different area. Tell us all about that, because that's all about hope and dreams. And it gets me so fired up.
1: Here here it is. When I decided to retire early. My kids were horrified. My faculty was horrified. And they were Miss Wayman. Do you think it's the right time to retire? Because you're you're below retirement age. (sighs) (laughs) And I said to them that my job here is complete. And a student actually confirmed that and wrote me a beautiful poem that confirmed that my job there was done, even though I've been hearing these voices that my job was done. To make a long story short, I'm always driven by purpose. And, and, And when I'm finished one thing in my life, I hear this voice that it's time to do something else. I'm never really quite sure what that is. And I go through a lot of soul searching to try to figure that out. And so I always constantly kept hearing. My children are suffering. And I need your voice. My children are suffering and I need your voice. And I I constantly hear that about a lot of things. That's why I do podcasts. That's why I do interviews. I'm always trying to get this notion out that there are kids suffering out there and we all need to do something about that. So what happened after I retired, I realized in my journey that most of the children that I worked with, they had a very difficult transition of moving from eighth grade to ninth grade. And most of them, when they transitioned into the neighborhood high schools in ninth grade, a lot of them chose to drop out of school. Hmm. They were not prepared for that transition of eighth grade to ninth grade. And so I told myself, in order for me to make sure that young people graduate from high school, and graduate from college because a lot of people focus, a lot of organizations focus on getting children to graduate from college. Well, in the inner cities, we still have a problem getting children to graduate from high school. In Philadelphia, we still only have a high school graduation rate of 67%. Okay. And so, therefore, I wanted to focus on, but I realized also the only way for me to do that was to understand why the young people were actually dropping out of school. And the reason why they were dropping out of school was because there were so many challenges in their lives to keep them in school. The violence in some of their schools, their inability to use their voice to advocate for themselves, the parents' inability to understand the school system and advocate for their children, to understand what high school is all about. They just were not prepared to do all of that. So high school became overwhelming for them. And so Mm -hmm. the next best thing was just to leave. And so what Currently Trending does, we actually pair every children in our program with a caring adult. So in addition to the parent, we call them coaches. We don't call them mentors. We call them coaches. Because we thought that the kids would accept that terminology better, meaning that we didn't want them to look up to us. We wanted them to help guide them through their life. And so what we do, we actually make sure they're in school every day. Any challenges in their life that prohibits them from going to school, we help them work through those challenges. We actually also help the parents advocate for their children in the school system. Because a lot of parents really just did not understand how to advocate for them, their children. So it's the coach, it's the parent, and it's the child. All trying to surround ourselves with erasing any barrier that will stop the child from graduating from high school. That's Mm -hmm. one component of our program. We take the children on retreats prior to going into high school to teach them all about using their voice. To advocate for themselves to overcome everything they can overcome in order for them to learn. In addition to that, we hold Saturday sessions and we bring in people from the community to talk about careers they may not be exposed to, trying to get them to dream about what it is they can do outside of their community and the surrounding in which they live. So it's a lot going on here, a lot of moving pieces.
0: Now, you have a kind of a life story. Just about that age. Right. Didn't you tell me once we talked about your transitions at about that same age that probably informed your your way of thinking about this, too, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, this this I know working in ed- urban education and fighting for poor children to be educated, especially children of color to be educated. But all poor children, it started with all my journey years ago and growing up impoverished. And my mother making this crucial decision for us back in the 60s when they came up with unnecessary busing or desegregation programs. And my mother was one of the only people on the street that allowed us to be bused outside of our community in order to get an education. Mm -hmm. She did that because my mother believed that if we were outside of our community, we would get a better education. And actually my mother was right. And the only way we knew my mother was right was because when I was in the ninth grade, my mother allowed me to go back to my neighborhood to go to school. <laughs> and I remember running home from school, s- crying to my mother, saying, but mom, they're in the ninth grade and most of the children cannot read. And my mother was horrified. What do you mean they can't read? I said, mom, they cannot read. And so it started a long time ago knowing that this was, it was this disparity of urban cities and urban education to educate urban children correctly, there was something missing there. And it is still missing today, Linda. Hmm. They are still receiving an inferior education in our urban cities and our urban areas. And so this quest for me trying to get young people to escape poverty through education was my life work and it started early on.
0: And your mom used to say something really good about that. Did you, did you tell me what that she used to say something like, um, "Now I look around and I think you should go get one of those." those
1: uh, <laughs> that story. My is so mother lovely. was incredible because what my mother used use would, would do, because she did have a lot of money, and so on Sundays, what she would do was actually put us on public transportation. And back then, public transportation was free on Sundays and she would ride us through affluent communities and she would say, oh, Linda, look at that house. You think you're going to own one of those houses? If you're going to own one of those houses, you got to go to school and you have to go to college. And my mother would say, well, you know, I don't know what those things are. My mother had no idea what a college degree was, but she knew my entire family, no one in our family had a college degree. So she would call it one of those things. Go get one of those things, and I think you'll have a better life. And my mother was actually right about that.
0: And both you and your sisters got one of those things, right? We both got one of those things. Hey, everyone. Dr. Linda here. I wanted to let you know that we just released my book, Happiness is an Option. In the book, I share insights you can use immediately to thrive in the era of the Internet. Life is too short. What we are seeing on the internet, social media, and the news is only a slice of reality. But there are four simple shifts you can make to start seeing the rest of the story. And that story can send you soaring every day. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or by going to the website for the book, happieroption.com. So, Thanks so much for supporting us this way, too. Of course, you know, our friendship has crossed into my relationships with the people who know me because I very often get off the phone from our conversations and I'm like so fired up about what's possible about the world and about us understanding each other and giving each other more context about the life. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really one of the things that our weekly phone calls were doing during the really hard times that was were going on in America in June was that we were just giving each other a little bit of context about how other people live. You tell this wonderful story uh, about being asked to speak. Was it West Virginia? Virginia? I can't West,
1: remember. West Virginia.
0: And, you know, what I love about that story is that, you know, it's it's easy to just keep the box about problem solving pretty small. Yeah. But, boy, when we focus on what we all have in common, we have the a lot of the common, same common struggles. And you tell this great story about speaking in a school. Well, I'm a, you go ahead and tell it. Well,
1: yeah, I, I've been traveling quite a bit over the years Um, since before I retired and since retirement, I, I actually speak at a lot of different school districts and an opportunity came for me to speak in West Virginia. And I'm going to be very candid with you. I was afraid to go to West Virginia. I don't know if it was based on my ignorance or just based on things that I've heard, about maybe some racial tension in West Virginia I really didn't know I was very afraid to go to West Virginia um, based on things I just I just thought I've heard in the past I said I don't know I, I don't think my story would resonate in West Virginia you know because I, I couldn't imagine them having persistently dangerous schools it really wasn't an urban area there really were not many children of color and I said I don't really I think that my story would really resonate there and I didn't really want to go there and that didn't happen. So a friend of mine said, Okay, Ms. and he's a Caucasian male. And he said, if you're going to go to West Virginia, I'll go with you. And I said, you will? He said, I will go with you if you go, because I believe you should go to West Virginia, because I think your story would resonate around the world. And even though during the TED talk, over my two million views, it has resonated around the world. But I'm not a world traveler like that. So I'm thinking, I don't know about West Virginia. So we did go to West Virginia. And it was the most unbelievable experience of my life. When I stepped out of the car, they had a beautiful sign, welcome principal Wayman. And what they told me was, no, Miss Wayman, we don't have persistently dangerous schools. No, we don't have a, a large urban population. No, we don't have many kids of color, but we do have many children who have lost hope and refuse to dream. And your story of perseverance and teaching all children to hope and dream is a universal story. Our story they talked about where the kids actually still believed they were going to make a living living working in the coal mines like their parents had made a living. And even though they had told the children that that may not ever be so, it was what the kids were holding on to. And they wanted the kids to dream past that dream. And they said, My message of so what now what, of, you know, let's lead and we love you and hoping and dreaming, help work with their students in that particular area. So I was so elated that they taught me a lesson that no matter where you're from, all children have to have hope and they have to have dream in the darkest of times.
0: Absolutely. A lot of our conversations have, have made me you know, go on walks and I kind of rehash them in my mind. And the other day I was walking and I was thinking about our, problem, our, our compl- complexities in the education system right now. And of course, you and I have been down that road in great detail many times. And I was thinking, you know, what we've done is we've optimized schools about 100 years ago for mm-hmm. creating factory workers. Mm-hmm. That's right. that when you really think about how our education system is organized, it was optimized. Everything about it was optimized to produce really good factory workers. And we are so far beyond that. And I had this notion that somehow... This COVID could be a pause where we decide what we want to optimize for now in education. What if we just, I had a patient the other day say to me, she's a teacher and she just, she just, she just said, why don't we just have, be able to stamp on everybody's transcript 2020, 2021, however long this lasts, COVID, and, and the whole thing just pause and reimagine. And that's when I came up with this. You know, we institutionalized poverty.
1: Yes.
0: We've institutionalized hopelessness. Why can't we institutionalize hopes and dreams? Why couldn't that be what we optimize for next? That's right.
1: But that's why, you know, when I speak to educators, I still speak to educators around the country about this 2020 and the COVID and going back to school in the COVID era. And they always said to me, Ms. Wayman, why do you talk about it with such excitement? I said, guys, guess what? anything goes. That, that <laughs> thing goes. I said, guys, everything we hated before or disliked about school, let's reimagine it. Let's just go in and just try it. There's no blueprint for it. And they look at me like, oh my God, I never thought about that. And so I find myself and, you know, if, if I was actually a principal today, I find myself, going, wow, what I would have done, you know, and that's where I take my focus now to currently trending. You know, there's so many different things that I want to do with currently trending in this COVID era. And I've even reached out to the superintendent and I told him, I said, listen, I understand that you have to go full virtual for the safety of the kids. I understand that. But kids that live in poverty full virtual is a disaster waiting to happen. I told him, listen, think about this for a moment. Why don't we open enrichment centers? and he he never he paused I, and people said, what is what what kind of enrichment center? I said, why don't we open, in addition to the virtual learning, why don't we open enrichment centers where kids focusing on high school children could actually go in during the day, social distancing, a certain number at a time, and learn about things that interest them? Why couldn't we have people from the community act like educators you know, come in and teach the kids. They may like plumbing. And we sign up for an hour a day and we go learn about plumbing. We go learn about the heart. Whatever it is a kid just interested in, in addition to the virtual learning. Why can't we just do something like that? I love it. You know, I never got a response, but that is one thing that I would do if I had a building for Currently Trending, which I don't have, but if I had one, that's exactly what I would do with it. So, you know, it's so
0: funny. this, And, and really, those of you who are listening to this conversation, this is how we tend to run down the path together sometimes. Yes. You know, <laughs> I'm listening to you. And I'm adding it to a thought I've been having. I I have, and as you do, we have still young children or college age kids. And my son was one of those that came home in March for his spring break and never got to go back to college Mm -hmm. and was home all summer. And I've been really thinking about the potential in these 20 million currently aged college kids in the United States alone that... They lost their jobs, Mm -hmm. their Mm -hmm. ability to have a summer job. They lost their internships that were planned, all those things. But what could we gain? So your idea that you just described. Now, there are going to be millions of college kids out there who get three weeks into college and then they close the whole thing down again. I don't know, but it's likely. That's right. Or at the very least, these kids, like for instance, my son's gone back to college and yet all four of his courses are online. So he's got more time on his hands than he had before. And, you know, what are the volunteer prospects for college kids volunteering in these enrichment centers that you're talking about?
1: But that's what I'm saying, Linda. And the possibilities are enormous because what children talk about in the urban areas is that the schools today don't offer them what they're interested in. It's what they talk about. When I hold my sessions, it's all they ever talk about. And so when I bring people in to speak to them, their eyes grow large, especially when I bring in college students. And Mm -hmm. I have college students working with me from Villanova University. And they Mm -hmm. come in and they teach about STEM. They teach about different things they're interested in. And you have to see my kids light up. And so (sighs) this would be such, it's so many people out there that we could have come through a Richmond center without no one getting exposed for a long period of time. I'm only coming in for a half an hour, hour, eight, nine kids are going to show up in the room, but teach them about something that sparks their interest so they can dream about later. And then I'm leaving and you're giving to society you're giving kids a reason to hope and dream towards something because like Chris Webber said on the news this morning, if our kids never see it they don't know they can be it see that's That's the thing, they don't know
0: yes, that's so you can't be what you can't see
1: yeah, I
0: love that I love that quote, I think I put it twice in the book that's publishing next week okay, so these are the kind of ideas. If nothing else, this is a conversation that might land on ears, mm-hmm. that might be inspired to add some layer to this that makes it even better and on and on it goes. And this is the essence of probably why you and I get up in the morning, why thought leaders get up in the morning is that we see possibility all around us. Yes. And what I don't think we're hearing enough about on the news these days is. Why we have hope there must be something. There are things for me. I'm not on the ever widening circles journey anymore that I could get off of. I just know too much now. That's
1: right. That's
0: right <laughs> I know so many people like you. I know so much that's happening in the world. That's so incredible that I can't stop talking about it. I'm literally going to go forward indefinitely. That's right. And I'm sure you see things in your life that give you such hope and and inspire your dreams. So
1: tell me about your hopes and dreams. Well, people inspire me every day. My life itself it inspires me to tell myself that if education can change my life, it can change other people's life. But I'm gonna tell you the story a day of someone told me of one of my former teachers. And this what this is this is what gives me hope that there's so many people out there who who are incredible people who also live this hope and dream scenario. I had a former teacher and in the era of COVID, they're going virtual. And if you look online, one of the major things that you cannot find in a store is a desk. So what she decided to do was to go to her classroom with permission and delivered every single student a desk in her classroom. Go on. That's what <laughs> gives me hope that a teacher would get permission to say, My kids who live in poverty, who are poor, can't afford a desk. And I want them to know when we go on Zoom or we go on virtual that I want them in the desk. With the name tag on the front of the desk as if they're in school, that I would care enough that I will put a desk in thirty-three desks and make thirty-three trips so that they have that's what gives me hope, Linda. Because there are so many people out there who really, really go far and beyond. But that's why I am hopeful.
0: This is exactly the essence of what we're not hearing enough about. That's right. This is the essence, Linda, of what we're calling the conspiracy of goodness. That's right. It's the quiet actions of ordinary people just like that that are going to change the future because the weight of all that goodness and progress is adding up every single day. And for all the acrimony that our digital lives are showing us, there is so much good going around in our own personal lives and our communities like this, that I'm telling people the number one thing we can do to turn over this era of division and anger is to start celebrating locally. Heroes right in our midst, even if it's, you know, somebody who bakes a loaf of bread and and brings it to your house, that's a small hero. I don't know about you during COVID, but one of our um, Team members at Everwinding Circles made some butter out of some ramps, which wow. is like wild garlic, mm-hmm. um, on her dad's farm, and delivered it to our house. And for God's sake, she thought our family won the lottery for a week. We used that butter. <laughs> right, that's right. So many right. different ways. Yes. Yeah. So there's there's so many heroes out there, not just the ones saving the rainforest, but the people in our lives. And I, I'm really committed to celebrating these. These are the things that we should be putting on our social media and talking to others about because one inspiration begets another. It's so, so huge. Now um, there's a couple of questions I always like to ask people and I'm going to sneak them in here because I I don't want to run out of time. Okay. So what can people do to help you or help similar efforts that may be going on in their area? First, let's start with you. Like if somebody this is what I notice about the conspiracy of goodness. So the conspiracy of goodness is a is a story from World War II about a family that managed to hide a whole Jewish family from the Nazis. Mm-hmm. And an old man was was speaking at a at a meeting after that episode in history and he said, Do you think I could have saved that family without the active help of the milkman, the mailman, mm-hmm. and the neighbors? That's right. No. It was a conspiracy of goodness, right. you know. So so we don't all have to go save the rainforest ourselves, but we can be the milkman, the mailman, and the neighbor that makes that project work. So if people could help you, uh, people always ask me, How can I help? Well, how would you answer
1: that question? Well, of course, donations always help Linda. You it's know, huge. Donations always help. And so at, you, if if anyone wanted to donate, my website is ww. Currently-trending.org. And it's a lot of giving programs. It's a lot of matching programs. It's all listed right there on the website.
0: And it all matters, right? $3 matters. $30 matters. Yes.
1: That's right. But more than that, what we need more than anything is for people, if anybody know of anybody in Philadelphia, any kind of connections, we need a building to show people how this can happen. Because the buildings we used to use in the past were shared buildings. And because of COVID, they're not allowed to share buildings anymore. So last year, we were actually, believe it or not, we ran currently trending out of an activity room inside of a supermarket. I'm gonna tell you, <laughs> we, look, we, we would go anywhere as long as it was free, but it was a beautiful space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We got snacks. He gave us food. It was was beautiful. But don't be right. But because it's in a supermarket, it's still in a supermarket, they're not really allowed to do that this year. And of course, it's too much traffic now. So if we had just somewhere to say, okay, currently trending can run out of this particular location, I mean, we're working on it on our end, but we're still having challenges to that. Okay,
0: so that really does demonstrate a, a, something that I, I've noticed about thought leaders that have incredible projects like yours. There's usually like one thing that's just standing in the way of making all your notions possible. Yes. Right? Once you got that space, then the domino effect could happen and the expansion, right? You could call me up and
1: I'd help you get these college kids. To- <laughs> Let me tell you, Linda. If I had the space, you're right, with your college kids and the college kids that I know and the community members I know, I get calls all the time. Ms. Wayman, you, you have a space. Would you be afraid to go in, Ms. Wayman? You know, in Philadelphia, a lot of teachers are afraid to go in. Would you, would you be afraid? No, I'm not afraid. My mm-hmm. team is not afraid because I would follow the guidelines of how to keep everybody safe. But I also know, Linda, total virtual learning. In an urban city is not going to work.
0: So it's like a, um, it, 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 it's a risk benefit ratio. <laughs> totally, right. we could be fearful of this, but maybe we should be more fearful of that.
1: That's it. But Linda, <laughs> right. beautiful, beautiful, right. Linda. Because that's it. Because yeah. either we're going to be fearful of COVID. We're going to be fearful of poverty and fearful of lack of education, which is going to leave us down a road to poverty long past COVID. Correct.
0: You've just inspired something in me. I'm going to ask every single thought leader going forward, what is that one thing that if if this one happened would make so many other things possible. So that's it. Uh, Who knows where this podcast, whose ears this podcast will land on someday, but you can always contact me through Everwinding Circles, and now you know how to get a hold of Linda Wayman. So, okay, Linda, the last question, Everwinding Circles. We are deliberately and every day changing the negative dialogue about our times. And we always like to say that our effort is to prove that it is still an amazing world. What reminds you every day
1: that it is still an amazing world? The sun still rises. And so, when the sun rises every day, we got a chance to do it all over again. We got a chance to fix it. The next day, every time the sun rises, we have another chance to fix whatever we didn't fix the day before. And if we think that way, even if we made a mistake the day before, when the sun rises the next day, we can fix it. We get an opportunity to make it right. We got an opportunity to make it better. That's what keeps me hopeful. That
0: is an amazing way to think about our lives day to day. This has been an extraordinary conversation with Principal Linda Clay Wyman. So, Principal Wayman, if you just put that in the search box, you're going to come down with so many things uh, in your Google search. And I want you to check them all out because Linda has the potential to change the future for so many children. And so do you if you connect with her and have ideas about how you can expand what she's doing. As always, I want you to dive into the Everwinding Circles universe by visiting ewc.co. And if you want to become an Ever-Widening Circles insider, you know, start your day with a great article about Linda Wayman tomorrow, today, whenever you're listening to this, and then go scroll down to the bottom of that article and you're going to see three more teed up for you next. Or you can hit the surprise button on Ever-Widening Circles and let serendipity take you on your next journey. Because it is still an amazing world and there are people like Linda, women out there that are just lighten it up. And it's time we started celebrating those aspects of society too. If we want a new future, open a new era, we've got to choose equally as carefully what we give our attention to as what we fall into sort of haphazardly in our digital lives. We can choose what we give our attention to. And I really, really can't thank Linda enough for helping us understand this this little bit bigger version of reality. So Linda, closing thoughts on anything you'd like people to think about as their, their day starts tomorrow when the sun comes up?
1: Well, first, I want to thank you, Linda, for inviting me here to tell my story. And I thank you for a friendship that just blossomed out of just a connection, Uh, one connection at a time. And that's what I think people should just reach out and connect to people. And they will see that we have more things in common than we have different. So my parting thought for today is the same slogan I would tell my kids each and every day. Remember, if nobody told you they loved you today, you remember I do. And I always will. Thank you. Oh,
0: gosh. I got goosebumps. Head, to we get. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. You have a great day, Linda. This has been an extraordinary conversation. And I know we'll chat again soon and we'll record that one too, because we'll we'll always come up with something to add to the world. Yes, we do.
1: Have a great day. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Bye-bye.
0: For more information about our guests' work or the subjects we mentioned, check out the show notes for the links. And as always, dive into the Ever Widening Circles universe by visiting us at EWC.co. That's short for Ever Widening Circles, EWC.co. If there are students in your life, turn them loose on the education site that we have at Ever Widening Circles. You can find that at EWCED.com and subscribe to the Ever Widening Circles app. People are always asking me what they can do to help. This is the number one thing you can do to help our efforts. For less than a dollar a month, you will have the antidote to the daily news right in the palm of your hand with our app. And that one dollar will help us send a signal to content creators that people will support positive content. And big news, <laughs> we will be hosting the first Conspiracy of Goodness Summit on October 4th. You can get tickets to that and be able to enjoy the recorded program thereafter at cogsummit.com. COG is short for Conspiracy of Goodness. C-O-G Summit, S-U-M-M-I-T dot I hope all these connections to goodness and progress carry you through your week and you start finding all that joy and wonder we've been talking about.